Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the morning. We still right now. 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 They hit me with that real recognized, real, real. Don't speak white now. Chicken lady, I've been rolling by the week. You can tell I got cake by the diamonds in my teeth. White now. Black shade, so you know what? Rolling, they ain't check me at the door, so ain't no telling what I'm white now. Real Recognize Real. That's right, baby. Welcome to Back Talk with Sharona. I am your host. My name is Sharona. Happy Friday. Uh, It's been a good week. We've been able to do two shows this week. It's Florida Hate Week. I haven't decided if I'm going to be live tweeting that game. My good buddy and a cohort in crime on Going for Two with Zach and Sharona. Zach Law has been trying to goad me into uh, live tweeting the Florida-Tennessee game tomorrow. We'll see. Um, if I get hyped up enough, I, I, I might do that. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But we've been able to do two shows this week. On Wednesday, uh, we welcomed my friend and my coworker at Inside the Pylon, Justin Twell, joined me. We talked about um, the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers. Really curious to see how the Packers do this weekend against the Detroit Lions and you know, with the injuries that they have at, at, at the linebacker position and, and others. And um, we did week three picks, a lot of good stuff from Justin there. Give him a follow out there in Twitter sphere. We'll be tweeting the links to everyone who has appeared on the show this week, to their Twitter accounts, and to their work when we do our wrap-up uh, on Back Talk with Sharona, the website. So stay tuned in for that. Uh, first up today is, is going to be my fantasy football segment. We welcomed two new guests to the show this week. Uh, Tim Torch joined me for um, this week's fantasy football fix. We sat down last night while that awful Tuesday night fo- uh, Thursday night football game was going on and recorded that segment. Great stuff from Tim. We had an interesting discussion about DFS, daily fantasy sports and strategies. You guys can um, hear how how I went about setting my weekly DFS. I'm, I'm doing a, a new thing this year, trying DFS. I've been meaning to do that, hadn't gotten around to it. So I'm excited about that. I'm writing a diary about my journey there for Inside the Pylon. You can check that out. But Tim and I talked about my strategy and, and his strategy as well. It was a, a really good um way to end that show and he gave me some some great tips so I'm excited to try them we're also going to talk about Cam Newton we may start the show with Cam Newton and then play the the fantasy football segment it's interesting um, all of the uh, different conversations that we're having regarding Colin Kaepernick you know Colin Kaepernick started a very important conversation and uh, you I think that the sports world in general owes, you know, him him a debt and a, a lot of appreciation for for starting this conversation because it was one that this country needed to have. <clears throat> this country has long wanted to ignore, has wanted to not um, be realistic, but not be real with itself. Real, recognize real. Uh, this country doesn't like being real with itself about 
exactly who it is and what it is and what its past is all about. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick starting that discussion is is extremely important and hopefully we'll continue to have it. You know, having said all of that, Cam Newton is his own man. Um, Cam Newton knows who he is. He knows who he wants to be. And I have a real problem with people trying to force him to be anything other than that. He's a grown-ass man. He knows what's best for him. He knows what's best for his family. And um, people need to let Cam live and, and you know, do things the way he wants to do. Not everybody wants to be an activist. It's hard to be an activist. You know, it, it's not easy. And um, it, it's, it's interesting when, you know, I, I'm someone who – who advocates for a lot of different things for victims' rights, in particular. And when you, you know, when you do that, you get a lot of blowback for it. And you know, um, Cam gets enough for just what he does on the football field. I, I can imagine that is exhausting enough. And you know, of course, he did come out and make some statements this week. Let Cam be Cam. You know, let Cam live. Let him do things and you know Colin Kaepernick wasn't vocal you know he came to his own understanding in his own time in his own space Michael Jordan a a great example can you know he when he was playing in the NBA um didn't speak up and speak out and you just got to let people be who they are and love them anyway right just love them anyway. Um, not everybody's going to think like you do. And I thought Annie Apple said it the best. And we'll include her her wonderful tweet in, in our wrap-up discussion. You know, Cam is his own man. And he doesn't have to speak the way you want him to speak to be who he is. And we need to, to understand that and recognize that and let Cam be Cam. Um, it, I think that that's important. So, um, you know, hopefully people will, you know, what's going on in the Carolinas right now is, is interesting. It's troubling. There, there are a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, protests going on because of the, the latest killing there, um, the, the killing out in, 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 in Tulsa. We talked about that a little bit. Um, on Wednesday's show as well, and you know it, it's it's important to speak up and speak out. It, it, it absolutely is, and, um, and and a lot of people are doing that. But you, you, we can't force everybody to do it. Okay, uh, let them do it in their own in their own place, in their own time, and in their own way. I think that that's um, you know I think it's important. I know how frustrating it is. Listen, I sit back and I watch. A lot of different things. In, in particular, I watch how um, you know how women are are viewed and treated, and uh, you know, and especially when it comes to the media. And uh, there are so many people who could speak up and speak out about that, and they don't. And but you you know you can't you 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 have to respect that, and you have to understand that. Um, there's a lot of pressure, you know. I, Mike Freeman had a very good article. I tweeted it out this morning, you know, talking about the the difficulties NFL players face 
Um, and, and there's very much a, uh, a divide. We talked about this several weeks ago. You know, front offices in, in the NFL are much different than they are in, in, for example, the NBA, which is the example that we used and we talked about. And front offices are largely white men and uh, very little diversity there. And, be, you know, for that reason, it's not um, that welcoming of an environment to speak up and speak out about a lot of things. Um, diversity, for one, not just in um, you know, diversity in the kind of um, hires that you make and in what you allow to to be done with, um, you know, with your, your hiring practices and whatever. And we really need to have a conversation. You, you see it. You know, from my perspective, I see it, and we've talked about this on the show before too. When it comes to these uh, women events that you see a lot of sports leagues, in particular the NFL, and and how they view their their women sports fans as fluffy headed, empty headed nincompoops, like they don't know anything about the game, and you know that's <laughs> that's frustrating as well, but. We're getting off track. We're going to go ahead and get back on track and um, turn to the first segment is going to be the fantasy football segment with Tim Torch. Uh, Very um, interesting stuff from him. And then in our second final segment, the last portion of the show, we're going to talk about drug testing in sports. That's another topic um, that uh, is important to me. I I went through a very um, severe uh, change in, in heart and mind about that issue when I was growing up and in the early days of my fanhood, I really thought drug testing was the thing and, you know, keep drugs out of sports and blah, blah, blah. And um, the Jason Taylor situation is what was always coming around to it anyway. But the Jason Taylor situation, uh, what happened to him at the end of his career is what really turned it around for me. And we're going to try to hunt up that article and tweeted out as well as the Vice article, the Vice Sports article, it kind of precipitated this discussion. And uh, we'll be talking as well about the legalization of marijuana. Uh, will Nashville do it? Will will they not do it? As Matt and I discuss in that segment, that final segment, having a a woman as mayor of Nashville is going to in my opinion, hopefully make it far more progressive than it ever has. And, um, you know, I couldn't be happier to, um, you know, to have Megan Berry as Nashville's mayor and to, to sit back and watch and hopefully see some progress there. So um, I can't wait for you guys to hear that interview, that, that chat, chopping it up with Matt Wood. So we'll take another quick break. And then when we come back, my uh, fantasy football sit down with, with Tim Torch last night. It was a lot of fun. I hope that you enjoy it. So stay tuned in. You're listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. All right, welcome back. 
We're uh, here now for your fantasy football fix. You're listening to Bat Talk with Sharona, by the way. And I'm joined now by Tim Torch um, at Tim NFL out there on on Twitter. We'll let, let him introduce himself to you guys and, and tell you where you can find him and find his find his work. We are recording this on, on Thursday night, uh, the Thursday night football game is going on. So we'll get some uh, thoughts from Tim about it too. Um, it's not quite halftime. I've been sort of multitasking. But Tim, I appreciate you joining me. No, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And um, this has been a really great experience. And um, it's nice because uh, what I do uh, with Under the Helmet is actually with someone who was recently on your show, Katie Flower. And yeah. she is just an amazing fantasy football player. So, so it, it's nice uh, when you can start establishing some of those connections with people that you meet in the industry. Yeah, it is. Um, she's great. I love Katie, and um, and you're right. She's fantastic and so funny and, and just such a great person, and I'm, I'm thankful to know her and to have her in my circle. And um, it's always great to to meet women in the industry who who mirror your, you know, who you are and your values and what you want to see um from from other women you know in, in the industry and in, in the industry at large and you know we're really fortunate because fantasy football for the most part is in my opinion one of the best communities out there yeah, i couldn't agree more women in general uh my my wife she she operates at another level that that i do so i could only imagine if her if her mental faculties were put towards fantasy football, what what she could do. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Any any time I I see a, a woman in the industry, I always applaud them because they're uh, it, it's amazing um, the type of work they do. And I, I mentioned you and the type of work you're doing. And Katie, she, she the the work she puts in, um, not just in fantasy football, but the recording we do from every week, but also Debbie leaks that she also does, does, which is, uh, which is fantasy football that incorporates college football players. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it it really is. She takes it to another level and she does her, her along with Chad Parsons, the, the third member of our team. Um, I, I can't be more excited about the team. I do work, work with her. Yeah. Katie is, um, I don't have enough accolades to really describe how just how good she is, and um, and and again, she's so fun and you know as good as she is, she doesn't take it um, too seriously, you know, no. and she she has fun with it, and you know, and that's really what it's all about is, is having fun. So, uh, did you come from a sports background? Did you play sports in school or or whatever? Uh, actually, no. Uh, growing up. Um, uh, I, I actually put a personal um, personal post out on my blog recently um, that talked about how I didn't grow up really watching any sports. My father has Alzheimer's, but when he is lucid, um, one of the things that we often joke about is how rarely I would watch uh, football, baseball, any type of sports with him when I was younger. I was always in the next room over playing video games or outside oh, yeah. playing with my friends. So, fellow so gamer, <laughs> all right. See, I'm always happy to find other, you know, other gamers. And I, I actually didn't watch my first, uh, my first full football game until uh, my best friend in high school invited me to watch the Ohio State Miami of Florida uh, national championship game. It was my, I think, my junior year of high school. 
Um, yeah. And that was my very first football experience. And then I, I went to a college called Mount Union, their Division Three National Championship School. So I, I started learning a little bit about football then. And, um, yeah, pretty much as my college life went on, that's when I started enjoying sports more. Yeah, when you go to a football or any sort of, you know, I'm, it's the same way I'm sure for basketball too, like Duke, Kentucky, all, all those schools. But when you go to um, a school like that, you definitely become indoctrinated into the environment. And, um, you know, and you may, you, a lot of times you meet other, you know, you meet people who, um, are really rabid about it, you know, grew up, and, you know, we sort of moved around a little bit, um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't grow up, I'm recording now from the state of Tennessee, I didn't grow up here, so, um, but I went to school in Knoxville at, at Tennessee, and um, I wasn't, you know, I was sort of a fan, not as big as I became, because, you know, again, you do become indoctrinated. So um, I, I take it that your initial introduction, um, so to speak, was at the college level. At what point did you start watching professional sports? Um, I still really didn't start getting into it a lot more until after I was out of college. I, I enjoyed sports mildly while I was in college, and then it really didn't go until the to the next level until I actually started playing fantasy football. Okay. It was it was weird because um, at, at the time when I started watching football and joined, started playing my first fantasy football league, um, my wife was in Kentucky. Um, I had started my first job out of college. So kind of that first, first job, you don't know anybody. It was in a, uh, it was actually with the Cleveland Indians. And um, <clears throat> so not being a big sports fan and working for the Indians. Um, so I met a group of guys and they invited me to play fantasy football. And I had never played fantasy football before in my life. So that's kind of where things started taking shape because I didn't know many people. It was a great social medium to mm-hmm. to meet new people and really uh, introduce myself to those guys and in turn meet more more people uh, that they knew. So um, really, it, it always reminds me of uh, what Matthew Berry said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing that um, that fantasy sports was the first social media experience. Yeah, I think that, that there's a lot of truth. I didn't know that he had said that, but I would completely agree. When I first started playing fantasy football, this was – I used to say it was in 2005 or 2006, but I went back, actually went back and looked not too long ago, and it was in 2004. Oh. And yeah, and, and this was, the internet was just becoming a thing, and this was like way before apps and, and all of that. And, you know, we would submit our lineups via email, but everything was done uh, using, you know, spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets and, and all of that. And uh, it was always live draft and, you know, and it was very much a social experience. Completely agree. It was a social experience. And and you have to love it. Uh, when I first started playing, I think it was 2000 or two. Uh, 2007 or 2008. It was right when uh, Michael Turner uh, left the left the Chargers and played his first season with the Atlanta Falcons. Because mm. yeah. I remember, wow. I, I remember as I was as I was joining that league that that that's just one of the guys that I gravitated to because 
as I actually started watching a little bit of football, um, that's that's just one of the guys I names I kept hearing over and over again. Oh, here's this guy who's moving teams. He was great the last team he played, but didn't get a shot. So he's playing for a new team and finally get the workload. Yeah. Um, so did you when you you started watching professional sports? Did you adopt a team, or do you have a team, or do you just you know, for a lot of fantasy players, it's just about their fantasy, and which is fine. Um, but you know, which did you? Which way did you go? I always tell people it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and about okay. the time I was playing, or actually watched any type of draft or any type of football I might catch, um, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals I would see. And my best friend uh, growing up, his favorite team was the Cincinnati Bengals, so I gravitated that way. Unfortunately, the older I get, the more, because of the area I live in, the more I'm finding my, myself gravitating towards the Cleveland Browns. And oh, I, I'm I, so sorry. I know. <laughs> I live in Northeast Ohio, and okay. um, and I actually know a few people who work for the Browns, so um, so it's just interesting that, um, that I can get a little bit of inside information and that... <clears throat> I can uh, I can comment on them, and I know their depth chart much better than I know the Cincinnati Bengals for for whatever reason. So, even though I tend to tell people it's the Cincinnati Bengals, the older I get and the more I'm in this area, unfortunately, the more I'm leaning towards the Browns. Well, you know, somebody has to do it, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot to like. I like Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson, and yeah, you know, Cincinnati guy. Yeah. And so you'll yeah, and um, you know the the Bengals they're they're interesting because um, you know Hugh Jackson of course was there and then he went to the Raiders and went back and then you know there's Mike Zimmer and you know there's a, a lot of guys that sort of came came through there and and are flourishing and and all of that. But um, so that's yeah that's interesting. Yeah, I, the Browns have. Um, you know, it's just like they seem to take two steps forward and a step back. I, I, f- I really find myself rooting for them, um, even though, you know, I wouldn't by any means profess to be a fan. But, you know, they've just had so much, a lot of it's self-inflicted, but they've had so much adversity. They have, and, and it's amazing because just this past week, um, when they when they lost McCown, I kept thinking to myself, that that's okay. I I actually prefer to be this way. I think they're doing what I like to do with a lot of my dynasty teams and just blow the whole thing up, accumulate mm-hmm. draft picks and and build from the ground up. And well, and I thought it would be a great shot for Cody Kessler uh to build rapport with Corey Coleman, who's someone that he actually trained with all off season, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people don't, don't realize that those two spent so much time together. So they do have a lot of chemistry going into this process. Well, Corey Coleman breaks his hand. No. He's out for four to six weeks. And then <laughs> uh, the Josh Gordon news, you know, it's Josh. interesting because, you know, Hugh Jackson sort of publicly proclaimed, um, Cody Kessler, his guy, you know, when they, um, that was a little bit of a surprise, I think, to a lot of people when they drafted him, but, um, I, I'm curious to see, you know, how he does perform. It's so funny, I had just picked up Josh McCown 
in mm-hmm. fantasy, and um, so I didn't even get to benefit from him that much. But I'm hoping, um, and I don't have too many, but I ha- do have a couple of Gary Barnage shares, and I'm hoping that um, I'll start to see some, some production there. Do you think... I mean, a lot of times young quarterbacks do tend to to rely, you know, on, on that shorter passing game and, and their tight end. So, you know, maybe m- maybe that'll happen. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'll I'll start with the Cody Kessler and and end up at Gary Barnett with Cody Kessler. And I wrote a piece for Under the Helmet um, or UTHDynasty.com, and it was actually comparing Cody Kessler to Andy Dalton. And and a lot of people tend to forget that they're the same height. They are roughly the same weight. Uh, Kessler actually has bigger hands. Their college stats were incredibly similar with the exception of rushing, but you also have to remember that Kessler came from more of a pro-style offense than Andy Dalton did. Andy Dalton was in a really spread offense when he Mm. was with TCU. So it actually took him a a little while to learn a pro-style offense. Um, So I'm really excited about Cody Kessler. And, and everyone will say, oh, Andy Dalton is what he is now. Well, I th- people still forget that his first game, I think he was only like 10 for 15 for for 81 yards, and he left the game early with an injury. So so people are going to put a lot of unfair expectations on Cody mm-hmm. Kessler. He's a rookie quarterback. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I mentioned the big hands kind of passingly, but he has 11-inch hands, which I think we're pretty close to the biggest of any quarterback coming out this year, which is perfect for Cleveland because Cleveland is obviously a bad weather area. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so he may be a little bit more apt to protect the ball. So I'm excited to see what Cody Kessler has. And I couldn't agree more with your point about Gary Barnage. Um, it, it's a great safety blanket. I mm-hmm. think he's... Uh, at very least this week he's going to have he should have a big opportunity because there's no one else there. Corey Coleman's out. Terrell Pryor's going to be the number one receiver, seeing number one cornerbacks. Andrew Hawkins may be a sleeper this week mm-hmm. uh, that, that may have some upside. They got rid of Taylor Gabriel, so uh, if you're really deep diving, maybe like Ricardo Lewis or someone like that might be might be a deep dive. But Gary Barnage should see plenty of targets, and don't forget. Josh Gordon comes back next week. So Josh Gordon comes back next week. Terrell Pryor still your number two wide receiver there. And a few more weeks after that, he has Corey Coleman. That is one hell of a three wide receiver set with still having Gary Barnage there. And don't forget Isaiah Crowell and Duke Jones. Yeah. Um, it, I, I hope that um, we're both right there. But you know it's 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 interesting because um, tight ends this year I've got um, Delaney Walker everywhere, which everybody oh, knows. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows I love him so much. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's my fantasy boo. Um, but you know he had the hammy. Now he practiced today, but um, and, and going through my lineups and setting everything, I um, I tried to take into and I'll go back and change it but I also did my DFS lineup because of Thursday night football and I stayed away from Delaney but it's interesting as I was going through that process I just picked up uh, Trey Burton Mm -hmm. he's doing so well in in Philly um, but you know his projections are still pretty low how are you feeling about him and and other um, other guys at the tight end position 
Yeah, tight end is so so rough this year. It is. For for the simple fact you lose Gronk right off the bat, the season hasn't even started yet. Uh Tyler Eifert's out. As much as people want to be excited about um Jordan Reed, I mean, let's face it, he's one concussion away I know. from being so scary. Yeah, I in in every player can be one one hit away from being out of the league. So so I guess it's kinda of hard to say he's one hit away, but him more than anyone else. Um, I'd probably say the guys I'm really excited about, uh, the underrated guys, Jacob Tammy. I mean, he is the number two guy there. Uh, Devonta Freeman isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. Julio Jones, it seems to be a little bit nicked up. Um, so Tammy, and don't forget, this is a Shanahan Kubiak offense, which, which tends to feature the, the big X receiver, and then their tight end. So I think Jacob Tammy's definitely a little underrated at this point. Uh, Jesse James, don't forget what he's doing right now with the Steelers. Uh, he's soaking up all those targets with, with Gary Ladarius Green and whatever injury he may have, whether it's concussions. That or, was scary, you know, because we, we don't know that much about no. it. You know, it really is scary. And I hope for his sake that he is fine. I, I do too. And, I mean, you can just go down the list. There are so many just random tight ends. And I think that's kind of the appeal to a Gronkowski this year um, because there's so many questions that if you don't get him, then then what are you going to do? But I tend to go later. Um, Probably the guy I'm most surprised with at this point, and I'm sure you'll agree, is Dennis Pitta. Uh, Nine or or ten catches last year. Yeah. Over yeah. 100 yards. I saw him take a couple big hits off that hip, so uh, he was able to bounce back with that without too much question. Um, Kyle Rudolph has even even produced uh, mm-hmm. with, with with Sam Bradford, Bradford. Mm-hmm. so it, it just really talks to the fluidity of the tight end position. And if I'm in dynasty and I have a tight end that's really producing, if I had one of those stash guys like a Jesse James or or, or someone in that tier. I probably wouldn't hesitate to trade away that higher level producer to see what I could get for future capital. How do you feel about Green Bay's tight end situation? I own um, like three shares, I think, three or four maybe shares of Richard Rodgers um, because I just I, I can't buy into the Jared Cook hype. I, he was a Titan too long. I watched him play too much. Um, it's you know, the Packers' offense has not been that good. It's scary. Uh, probably the only way I would invest in a Green Bay tight end at this point is if it's a best ball league where someone you could just have there, that if they explode for two touchdowns, then then it's great because you get the points. But if they don't, if they don't hit, it really doesn't hurt you. I, I would go away from it because they're going to mix and match so much right now. Mm-hmm. They have really nice out- – Outside weapons between Cobb, Adams, Nelson. They just signed C.J. Spiller. Mm-hmm. So that's a pass catching back right there. So they may leave Richard Rodgers in uh, because he can block very well. Yeah. And he can catch the ball. Uh, last year he had a couple of really nice Hail Mary plays. He, yeah, he had that one that was spectacular that sticks out in my mind. Uh, yeah, you know, I yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Who else do you like this week outside the tight end position? And, and what guys, what big names are you looking to sit? Uh, if I'm going to go uh, starters first, a guy I'd probably be looking at as a throw in your lineup is definitely um, Dwayne Allen. 
Yeah. We have the injury to Dante Moncrief, mm-hmm. which is crippling to that team. So uh, Andrew Luck needs someone to throw to um, that's a big target. And they're playing San Diego yeah. this week, which is a really good matchup. Yeah. Uh, J- Jordan Reed is always a great play. And don't forget who he's playing this week, the New York Giants, who have a terrible linebacking core. And that's that's the number one thing that I try to look at when yeah. um, when I'm trying to find DFS matchups or or anything like that. I, I want to look at who the linebackers yeah. are covering the tight end. And I mean, <laughs> uh, Jacob Tammy is another really good example because uh, he's going against New Orleans and New Orleans just can't cover anybody, whether it's a tight end. Wide uh, or yeah. And you know, and that's why I was asking you about green Bay because um, Detroit, they've lost all their linebackers. Yep. I think they have like two healthy guys and, um, a bunch of other injuries, and you mentioned uh, it's so funny because I just played Dwayne Allen in DFS this week for that reason. You know the fact that he's got a great matchup, and um, and I've got some Jack Doyle. I after right. I, you know, yeah, I, I stashed him in three, maybe four leagues, three anyway, just to see what you know. He he's a guy that the Titans really liked. Um, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry may be a good play this week because Antonio Gates. I I look really quick. I he missed practice again on Thursday, so if he's a guy that sits, mm-hmm. Hunter Henry may get the start and <laughs> uh, could be a really nice viable option for cheap in DFS or or to pick up on your waiver wire. Yeah. Well, outside tight end, what um, other big names do you like or, or or not like this next week in week three? Boy, uh, uh, this week should be pretty interesting. Um, you can look at the Vikings' defense. I'll, I'll start with defense and work my way up a little bit. They've had a really nice start to the season so far, but this week they go against Cam Newton. So he's def- they're definitely a defense I'm trying to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Brees, you should always look towards those premium matchups. I'll say Phillip Rivers, if you're playing a DFS type of lineup, um, He's a guy that I'm really looking to stack this week. Um, DraftKings, I think he's 6,700 or somewhere around there. Um, so a very cheap, um, very cheap option. And he's playing the Colts, which have an incredibly bad defense. Terrible defense, yes. And you can pair him up with Travis Benjamin, who really the pricing really hasn't caught up in most most formats to what he's doing. He's playing in the Keenan Allen role, and that's not really his skill set, but. They're they're feeding him more more than enough targets, and he has a much better quarterback there than he did in Cleveland. Let me ask you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but since you you mentioned DraftKings, and I'm doing DFS for the first time this year, and um, let me tell you, it's a great way to kind of segue, and we'll we'll go back to starts and sits, but it's kind of a great way to talk about DFS because I wanted to, to ask you about it. Um, I. Again, I'm very much a rookie, and so my first couple of weeks, um, I didn't do, I didn't win. I wouldn't say that I did terribly, but I didn't win, and of course, that's obviously you want to win. So, uh, so this week, what I did, and I always look at matchups like you, and I always look at you know what um, what teams are giving up, and you know injury status, and and all of that. But this is what I did, and you can tell me. Um, how you go about doing your DFS strategy. I start at running back. Mm. Um, and, and week three, I've done this every week. And um, every week I pick David Johnson because I love him so much. Yep. All right. 
And um, the last couple of weeks, my second running back has been DeMarco Murray because I like his value. And, you know, you're getting, I think, good bang for your buck there. And the Titans are going to use him. That's already abundantly clear. And so then I'll turn to wide receiver, and I'll get uh, my first and second wide receivers. And uh, this week I – let's see, who who was it? Um let me pull it up real quick. I uh, oh well, they're they're in. Let me do it another way because they're it's in the edit. I do a diary about it. It's in the edit process, and I don't want to mess anybody <laughs> up. So um, let me find it. Uh, DFS. Here we go. Now week three. Okay, so um. And here's my submission. So, okay, here we go. So, um, I, I looked at matchups, and I love the Chiefs matchup um, mm-hmm. for their wide receivers. And so, I, Jeremy Macklin is my wide receiver one. And um, because of the linebacking situation and, and how all the injuries with Detroit, I went with Jordy Nelson as my wide receiver two. And because... I think that he's mad, and my money is always going to be on angry Aaron Rodgers. Um, I picked him as my quarterback because I think that this the criticism about the Packers' offense, he knows it. He knows about it, and he's not happy about it, and I think he's going to be out to – um, you know, to prove everybody wrong. And I think, you know, my money's on angry Aaron Rodgers against a depleted Detroit um, defense to have a big game. And so um, so then from those positions, I went to tight end, and I told you Dwayne Allen. And then I was, you know, I'd spent a lot of my money, and I still needed a kicker defense and a wide receiver three. So I like the Dolphins matchup, but they're obviously playing, um, I believe they're playing Cleveland in their rookie quarterback, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And, yep. you know, rookie quarterback, Miami's defense, I think, is still going to be pretty good this year. So I went with them, and I, I – Pick Nick Folk um, because he his average per game. I, I like Dan Bailey's um, matchup, and I I really wanted to to go with Dan Bailey, but he was just too expensive, and Nick Folk was um, a, a little bit cheaper, and so that left me with forty five hundred dollars. Okay, now I could have rearranged my lineup, which I had done in, in week two to get a better wide receiver three. But instead of doing that, I went with a cheap option, and I and I picked, and I know that um, there's a lot of questions there, but I, I picked Buffalo Bills wide receiver, and I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Greg Salas? Salas? Yes, Salas. Salas. So, uh, so that's my lineup, and that's how I went about doing it. That's a really good way to do it. There's – for me, I, I, I like your process, and that's exactly the way I, I I always tell people they should first start looking at their matchups. There are two ways that I choose to build my lineups, and I'm not the type of person that is going to insert 150 lineups into any any type of tournament. And um, there's well, there's two lineups you should have uh, a cash game type of lineup in a tournament play. Mm-hmm. A tournament play, you want to focus more on upside 
and a cash game, you just want to make sure you have a really nice floor and and a little bit of upside. So something I like to do when I'm trying to build my cash game rosters, mm-hmm. um, I want a cheap quarterback usually, and I'm going to pay up a wide receiver. I did like what you had to say about um, David Johnson, because if you're going to pay up for running back, then he's one I'm willing to do it for. He's the only one I'm willing really to do it for. Right. He has a a two times type of value type uh, guy. Up until this point, I think um, he's been somewhere around like um, six to 7,000, depending on what, what format you're playing in. And uh, even this week at DraftKings, he's 7,700. I still don't think that's quite high enough for him because <laughs> I, I, I have no problems thinking that he could double my money or double yeah. the value. So for him to get a floor of 15 points, I don't think is a problem. But for my running back too, I tend to go down the dial a little bit. If there's a cheap, if there's an injury that happens, that's usually a really nice way to go. Uh, Theo Riddick is still cheap in most yeah. formats. Uh, Charles Sims, he's supposed to be the lead guy there. Um, I'm not as excited about Isaiah Crowell just because he has the rookie quarterback. So the Dolphins should probably be playing the run a little bit more heavily than they have been. Um, Jarek McKinnon, perfect guy um, with Adrian Peterson going down last week. So he could be a really nice insert Um, that running back to, I tend to pay down a little bit for, so I have more money elsewhere. Um, I will say, um, Depending on what platform you're using, um, I do try to have those lottery tickets, one or two guys here and there. Mm-hmm. Philip Dorsett is a perfect example for this week with Moncrief out. I'm playing uh, him in, yes. in one of my leagues, yeah. Yes, you, you should. <laughs> you should, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrell Williams is a really nice... Yeah. I uh, played him last week in DFS. Ty. Ty- Tyler Lockett is a really good example as well. Uh, he's a guy, depend, once again, depending on what format you're playing, uh, last game he got you 13 points, and his value is only um, on DraftKings at 4,200. So he definitely has 3x value there. Um, so I just in, try to be smart when I'm playing, especially fan, the tournament. In, you in, want the high upside. In FanDuel, David Johnson, your budget is like 66000 I think, and David Johnson is $8,400. And I think without uh, without you directly saying, you've kind of talked about the difference in how we play, because mm-hmm. I, I always go towards what I feel my strength is, which is PPR, which is DraftKings. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go towards FanDuel, that's non-PPR. So it's it's more of a standard style league, which I'm less comfortable with. So okay. that's that's also the, the big picture you should look at when you're playing DFS. See, that's interesting and good information for me to have. Maybe I should try uh, DraftKings next week. Yeah, and and that's that's a perfect point, is that you want to focus on what you're comfortable doing. It's not that you're going to go out there and win every time, because that just doesn't happen. And that's why people put in 150 lineups, or mm-hmm. however many they choose to put in. They're playing the odds. And each right. one of those leagues has has a team that that is the worst league you'll ever see <laughs> is the worst team you'll ever see ever played, but they just happen to hit on the right guys that week. So last week nobody was playing Corey Coleman, but 
probably someone in the top five of DraftKings or FanDuel had him playing because he was a very cheap option and he blew up. Yeah, um, I might uh, I might actually have to do that. I don't think that it will matter. I am only, at least for right now, I am only doing one submission. <laughs> you know, um, and. and really no reason for that other than I'm just, you know, getting comfortable and um but now in terms of overall fantasy stuff and it's so funny because I went into this fantasy season and I was like, Ugh, there's no way I'm only gonna do five teams this year you know, because that it's just been crushing. It's so time it can be so time intensive. Yeah. Um, but I ended up with ten leagues instead of five, <laughs> and so I obviously don't pay any attention to what I try to tell myself. But I like to play in different leagues because uh, I like experiment. You know, I mean, I like to have fun with it, and I like experiment with different strategies and and, and stuff. And you know, that's to me what what makes it fun. Do you have any fantasy do's and don'ts? Yeah. Um... And obviously, it depends on what kind of format you're in. I can touch on a few different kinds. I will say I'm not an IDP player. I I do have a couple of IDP leagues that I lean on other people for information for. So I am, and I will tell people when they ask me those questions on Twitter, that I am not an IDP guy, but here are the guys I choose to go to for IDP IDP questions. Um, I am in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, 480. Mm-hmm. Um, I I placed five in the top five last year. I think fourth place. Uh, it was 360 last year. So that's more of a, a QB premium type of league. And when I'm doing redraft QB premium, I want to go quarterback a little bit later because that tends to be a position that doesn't um, that doesn't turn over quite as often unless you're the Cleveland Browns. In which case, that position will turn over for you every week. Crazy. Um, but, but guys like Alex Smith, Joe mm-hmm. Flacco, Ben Ben Roethlisberger, those are great guys to have a little bit later down the dial in QB premium. Um, redraft. I will say this year I went extremely zero running back. I often went for the first four to five rounds of my draft without even coming close to touching a running back, and I would have. Isaiah Crowell, Theo Riddick, Charles Sims. And this is exactly why, because my <laughs> wide receiver core uh, would often start off. I would have Mike Evans that I would take early, Amari Cooper, uh, those those big names, DeAndre Hopkins. I would take those early. And then usually the fifth round or sixth round, I would take Drew Brees. And then I would, I would follow up with as many running backs as, as I could keep on my roster. So it... It really depends on your format, too. Obviously, PPR versus standard. I'm not sure if any of your listeners are playing standard anymore. If you are, I'll ask why. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's just the difference. Some people, well, it's, some you people know, interaction. It, it's, it comprises um, a lot of the public stuff, the pre-public yeah. stuff. And I think that's why there's still... So many people who play it, <clears throat> the casual fantasy player probably plays it more than anything. Now, I like, you know, different leagues, and, um, you know, I like playing IDP. That's one of the, the fun leagues for me, but um, and I, I tend now toward, um, you know, 
flex leagues and leagues where you don't, you know, have a traditional defense or or a kicker. You just you play your skill players and all of that. And it's funny you mentioned Alex Smith. He is one of my quarterbacks in the Scotty Fishbowl, and you know he's he, he kind of didn't do as well maybe last week. We had a big week one, and and so it, it's interesting. Tim, it was really great stuff. I don't want to keep you too long. Tell, excuse me. Tell everybody out there once again where they can find you, find the podcast, find your work, find you on social media. Yeah, I'll start with social media at Tim NFL. Uh, please feel free to send questions my way. I I do my best to answer them as timely as possible. Uh, every week you can find me whether it is uh, the weekly show or premium content with Chad Parsons and Katie Flower at Under the Helmet. Uh, we're we're on iTunes as well as Podbean, Stitcher, all those fun ones. Uh, we do uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football. That's our primary focus. So uh, so if you're looking to make the jump to something a little bit more in-depth, if you feel that every time you're playing fantasy football with your friends that you're a year or two early, give that format a try. There's, there's always a ton of free leagues on ESPN or Yahoo that open up, but my fantasy league is definitely where to go when you're willing to, willing to take the next step. And my writing is at UTH Dynasty which is the home of the podcast under the helmet and dynastynerds.com. Very good. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. All right. Good night. Good night. Shout out to Tim Torch for joining me in that fantasy football segment. Great stuff from him. And I agree that um, my fantasy league is definitely the the way to go once you get that familiarity and, and get comfortable playing fantasy football. And, um, of course, the, the free leagues are always fun. And, it's you know, we talk about fantasy football a lot on my Wednesday night show. And, um, and, and, and I cry about it because I'm so – you know, Yahoo has been kind of like my gold standard for so many years because they really have for a long, long time been uh, the benchmark have been in, in terms of their apps and the the website um, interactives and all of that. But um, this year, you know, I, I kind of gave props to ESPN. I thought <clears throat> their draft interface was, was probably the best. And I have not tried. I need to, to check out. I've, I've looked at scores on the app. But I haven't tried setting lineups. It's always been kind of problematic setting lineups on the app. So I, I need to check that out too. But my fantasy football is my fantasy league is MFL is is really the uh, the next step and and great for a great resource for for the community. Uh, and, and again, shout out to Tim for joining me. So okay, we're going to talk about drug testing in sports. We're going to play. Um, my chat with Matt Wood. We sat down last night as well and talked about drug testing in sports. I did find, by the way, that Jason Taylor article that um, that that led to my conversion, as well as we'll be, we'll be tweeting out a link to the Vice Sports 
article that kind of precipitated this conversation, as well as at the end of, of this segment, we'll tweet out the link to some of the information about Nashville legalization of marijuana and what the Popo had to say about it. Um, they're in favor of the status quo, not surprisingly, because um, they like to use stuff as a pretext. And um, so Matt and I talk a little bit about that. So we'll take another quick break. And then when we come back, we'll be playing my chat with Matt Wood talking about um, the war on drugs. Doug Logan, by the way, is the gentleman from the Vice Sports article that, that I talk about in, in my chat with Matt. And he, he's a guy who helped spearhead the sports drug war, first as head of MLS and then as head of the uh, USATF, United States um, track and field and so it was interesting to see, you know, he underwent a conversion much like I did. And for, for a lot of similar reasons, um, the the drug testing in sports paralleled our nation's own failed war on drugs, where we spent mega amounts of money, um, only ended up punishing the economically disadvantaged and separating families. And so it's kind of interesting. So we'll take that quick break. And then when we come back, my chat, chopping it up with Matt. And Sharona up next, so stay tuned in. You're listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. Roll another. All right. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to quit keeping count, you guys, because Matt and I have sat down so many times, and a couple of times um, technology failed us, and we weren't able to actually play those conversations. But it's always fun to sit down with Matt and and have have these conversations, chopping it up with with Matt Wood. And uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, drugs, drug testing in sports, which is something that um, I've written about and talked a lot about. And Nashville has um, just trying to come into the 21st century. And um, you know, having a, a, a woman as a mayor, I think, is going to really help Nashville a lot. But Nashville has come out and is considering legalization in some form of marijuana in in the metropolitan area. Typically, um, the the local police not. Uh, not that much of a fan of it. They because first they weren't consulted, which mm-hmm. uh, Matt and I will talk about that. And second, for for some other reasons too. But Matt, welcome back. And um, we're Thank doing you. yeah, we're doing this on Thursday night. And I already told Matt that I'm discombobulated because um, because of some news that came across my Twitter feed earlier today and I was telling Matt a little bit about it and I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get into that. But you know, it's just you know, being being a woman is wonderful in so many different ways, but um when you're in a media driven uh profession like you know, covering sports or, or whatever, it can be so incredibly frustrating too because um it so often is when it comes to women, it's not about the work, it's about other, it's just never, and that's a problem for women anyway, it never seems to be about the work, it's always about something, looks, appearance, 
demeanor, getting along, you know, does she get along, does she not get along? Nobody seems to care that much about that when it's, you know, when it's, when it's a guy, but for women it's always not about the work. So, but anyway, um, all right, so drug testing in sports is, um, has come to the forefront of, of what is going to be Friday's show. Matt and I are sitting down on Thursday night this week because I read a very interesting article at Vice Sports. I sent it to Matt, and um, it, it's very extensive, and it basically sort of tracks some things that I have written about before and, and talked about before in that, you know, drug testing in sports is hypocritical. And, um, you know, it uh, all it does is make money for, um, you know, for these organizations that lobby against it and, and are involved in testing for it and, and doing research and, and, and all of that. It certainly doesn't um it 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 really doesn't have um a huge great effect on the sport itself right i mean if you look at uh um like some of the ways that uh <clears throat> athletes cheat to win mm-hmm. i mean like look at the 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 tour of france you know um in other bike races yeah you may talk about peds but you know what are they getting busted for now having miniature motors inside their their bikes now where you have to have infrared cameras all over the damn track to make sure that no uh uh no cyclist has this little mini mm-hmm. motor in there to help them up hills <clears throat> yeah that's and, kind of crazy i mean and it didn't matter what sort of uh pds that were being taken i mean that's what lance armstrong was busted for and stripped of right was mm-hmm. performance enhancing yeah, there were there yeah. there have been several cyclists who, and yeah. not just cyclists, um, you know, long distance runners, and um, you know it's it's rampant. Really, it's and, rampant in in every single sport. It just and, is. And some of these, you know, um, like Maria Sharapova, mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. she the most recent? You know, you know these uh, Nicholas Backstrom in the 2014 Sochi Olympics. I mean, he won a silver medal. And he had to give it back, and then he got it back again because he took he took Sudafed. Some of it's ridiculous, and there you have know, been, like, yeah, some, some of this, some of these compounds and stuff are actually found in medicine to actually. Treat oh, absolutely, them. most of them are the the <clears throat> large e, e, steroids. Listen, steroids are quite common in a lot of medicine. Yeah. Um, you know, human growth hormone. You can get it. You don't get it over the counter, but you, you know, if ask middle-aged American women, yeah, yeah, about, and not just middle-aged. I mean, yeah. um, women can go to a doctor and you know, and get that. Of course, that was kind of a big thing when it was when the the Al Jazeera report and Peyton Manning and all of that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for HGH and a lot of things, and, and certainly marijuana, there it, legitimately there is even a question whether it is actually performance enhancing. And if it is, it's only to the extent that it allows for a quicker, better recovery time and getting back on the field you know, better and with, um, you know, better physicality, which 
is how is that bad? <laughs> I mean, I, I struggle to understand how how is that any worse than a, a, a an athlete competing jacked up on you know, on pain medications? Yeah, uh, and I was gonna I was gonna bring something up is you know you you have the guy like, the guy who plays the mountain, um, Thor Yarsenson. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's got a Swedish name I can't pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> you know, as as far as we know. You know, that dude's all natural, right? Mm -hmm. He's tall. He just bulks up. And then you could have some guy shooting steroids, you know, bulking up and everything. Mm -hmm. But guess what? It's going to come down to, you know, the the, the steroids isn't going to help him lift more Mm -hmm. or over his head. I mean, yeah, it may give him an advantage to someone, his weight class or whatever, maybe. I don't know. Um, I never really got into weightlifting. Uh, (laughs) I can (laughs) tell you. But, that, I mean, some that, of these guys are huge. I mean, yeah. of course they're going to lift 800, 900 pounds or whatever. Usually <clears throat> there's they're using some sort of supplement, something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, listen, football players do it. And it's trickled down into college and even into youth sports. If you, I've been in some form or fashion covering sports since 2007. And... Mm-hmm. And you know that's been almost ten years, and I can assure you that if when you look at a player that you cover during their playing career, and you run across them, you know, even at like a year later, definitely a couple of years later, the difference is staggering. Mm-hmm. Most of them shrink down to normal size. I mean, right? You know, they're they look just like regular. Now, that's you know, all generalizations are. Mm -hmm. There's always exceptions and outliers and and that. And you know, some guys gain weight. Some guys continue to do it. You know, for for whatever reason. But um, it's just you're never going to eliminate it. And one of the the um the major players in this vice sports we'll be tweeting out the links to all these articles and stuff and even include one to the article that I wrote a few years ago about it but um you know it the the point that one of the major players in that vice sports article was making is something similar to what I have been saying what just regulate it you know isn't it far better to just regulate it and make sure that, you know, and people are still going to try to cheat at it, sure. Mm-hmm. But at least, you know, prohibition has never worked in anything, ever. Mm-hmm. People that's, are going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. It's, you know, if there's no statistical advantage other than like, oh, hey, this guy who just went out and worked out for three hours just took some, uh, you know, PEDs. And uh, instead of hurting for a day, it hurt for a half day. If that's his only advantage, um, you know, if it doesn't increase any sort of performance on the field. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, one, you know, the big scandal, you know, right around the turn, you know, the 2000s, <clears throat> 2001, 2002 with the baseball. Schedule. Oh, yeah. You know, you had Jose Canseco saying, oh, but Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, they're all, they're all juiced up, man. That's why they can hit all those home runs. Um, I mean, I, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. It's like, um, oh, hey, you took something that, you know, the perception is it, it gave you an advantage to uh, the baseball players who were not taking those yeah. 
uh, things. I mean, I get the outrage. Well, I mean, it makes a little bit more sense when you're talking about um, a sport like baseball, where the the statistics are so individualized, and mm-hmm. you know, and and what have you. Not that there aren't you know individual statistics in in football and certainly in basketball and and, and all of that, but um, yeah, but it wasn't just juicing, it corked bats and. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in baseball. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Baseball's not immune to, you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, in, in hockey, I mean, the only thing I could think of is, you know, some PEDs. I mean, I don't see anybody, you know, as far as I know, juicing up to get all bulky because that will just slow you down and then you're not used I to I would think for hockey, though, it would be HGH, which would which would let you, you know, because it's all about metabolization and being you know, being able to you know perform on the because it's such a strenuous sport. You oh know? yeah, you're going you're going full tilt yeah. up and down that ice, and then of course you're you're trying to stop on dimes, you know to to make. Yeah, sure I don't think keep going with the flow of the play. Yeah. I mean steroids would to me only in terms of because there is some. Evidence that maybe they help you, you know, heal in, in the healing process and whatever. But I could definitely see, you know, um, some sort of uh, benefit, you know, maybe from from HGH or and, and there the clear. There's all kinds of stuff um, now, and I don't profess to be an expert and, and up on all of it. But um, and and I always go back to where I when and where I started to come around on this issue, and I've told this story uh, more than once. Was an article about Jason Taylor and what you know toward the end of his career, what he did to stay on the football field. Now he I think went to the Jets briefly and then went back to the Dolphins and finished his career there. But you know toward the end of his career he had some injuries and it was. If you, we'll try to hunt that down and tweet it out. And and I read what he did, and I was like, "How is this not? How, I mean, how how is this not worse than you know him taking a pet or something to you know help um, you know heal this? And because he had, um, he had, there was a drainage tube." He had to wear like a special thing because he had a drainage tube. I think he had a hip injury or something, and there was mm-hmm. a drainage tube to drain like infection and stuff. It was just gross and disgusting. And mm-hmm. they, you know, there's um, the NFL is being sued because of this these reports saying that um, the t- these teams were giving out um, uh, pain medications opiates um like candy like m&ms mm-hmm. and you know it, it again why one and not the other it's just it's all hypocritical yeah yeah i mean um you know like you were saying you know it's you know the, the prohibition would be useless in, in a lot of these cases yeah. i mean these these folks are paid very well yeah. And and I mean they can, um, you know, hey the team doctor won't do it, um, you know, whatever doctor in the back alley will do mm-hmm. it, you know, who cares? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I mean, because there is medical, you know, uses for this stuff. It's not, you know, just. Um, oh, yes. You know, HGH, so. listen, <clears throat> it wouldn't bother me at all if we legalize HGH for athletes and let them take it to help with um, healing and, you know, if you want to regulate it, fine. I don't care. Regulate yeah. it. But, um, you know, if it is, and, and the same thing, this is a great way to go ahead and circle over to the weed discussion. And, you know, um, I have long been a proponent of the legalization of marijuana. Marijuana um, does not you know, appear to be the, the studies the current state of the science and the studies is mm-hmm. that um marijuana in its you know in its form is not um any in fact is better than um than uh alcohol oh yeah and yet one is legal and, and the other one isn't now I do when it comes to marijuana I do think that um Smoking and smoking is bad for you. It's bad for your lungs, and I think mm-hmm. that um, you have to take smoking out of the equation and talk. That's why I'm trying to be careful with marijuana in its you know form, yeah. as yeah. opposed to how you you know how you go about and in the places where it's been legalized. You know, you can now get it in. Of course, vaping is a thing, and it mm-hmm. seems like everything that I've read about vaping is that it's safe and yeah. um, eliminates those concerns. So there are ways now in the food industry um, surrounding marijuana weed is, has really um, exploded and has grown, and there are you know, some really um, good ways to get it that way. And so mm. I'm, I'm curious to see what Nashville does with this. Um, and, and I do not think, if it were not for Megan Barry, that we would be having this dis- this discussion. Oh, probably not. And I mean, the, and um, it, it the one thing I really troubles me about that law is the the police discretion. Oh yeah, that's now, that's the if, thing that bothers me too. If if Chief Anderson uh, came out and said, "Look, you're writing everybody tickets. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to go through all this crap. Just write them a ticket." You know, you know that's one thing. But the next police chief can come in and goes, "Yeah, screw that. You're arresting everybody." Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this is supposed to be on the individual officer's discretion, and I mean, it really hits at a class and race thing because it I, does. I feel like the the wealthier, um, it, it, you know, wealthy black or white, you know, they got the not going to change anything. That's the you know, problem. They can it's, fight that off, yeah. And then you know, the the poorer folks, white or black, you know, they're going to get a, um, you know, if. You know, hey, here you you are within this legal amount of weed, but it's under my discretion. Um, I would like to say that they give them the ticket, um, the citation, <clears throat> but uh, you know, as things go, <laughs> you know, the, the the poorer folks are usually the ones. Uh, it's going to against the fire. It's going to it'll leave it exactly the way it is now, and it'll fall all these citations and what have you. And they even want to. It's it to me. It's even more concerning than that discretion thing because what they said it was like a two part two part statement. And the first part of it was um, there are there might be good reasons to keep this in 
the, in a criminal court and and even as a felony. And I'm like, well, that's you, you're not that's you just don't want to change anything. You oh, still yeah. want to be able to charge. You still want it to fall disproportionately on poor minorities. Yeah. And so it doesn't change anything, and it's it you know. But they're but they're really mad. I think more than anything because they weren't consulted to begin with. Mm. And um, and so now, you know, they had to throw their weight around in typical, you know, law enforcement fashion. You know, show what how big and bad they are, and um, you know, maybe we'll we'll get something good out of it because there's no. To me, and I thought a lot about it, I was like, what legitimate reason could you have? Yeah. It's because you're targeting this person. You want to use, A, either use it as a pretext, or B, and and I think what they're they're thinking about is in terms of um, reasonable suspicion. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a gateway to getting all up in someone's business. Oh yeah, definitely. If it's I mean, legalized, that they can't, it, you know, they want it to be part of that um, process, and so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. And, go ahead. And here's the thing, you know, I mean, so far, knock on wood, <laughs> when I have been pulled over, now, granted, I am a white male. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, it's usually, you know, driver's license, registration. You know why I stopped you over? No, because if you say yes, you're admitting guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, officer says something, it's either a ticket or be on your way. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can't think in my mind, and, and believe me, I have drawn crappy vehicles and I have driven, you know, nice vehicles. Um, so I, I, I've never been in that place where I'm in my vehicle and it's like, get out of your car. I'm going to search it. Um, and I know this happens to folks, you know, but, and that's what boggles my mind is how, one, how does that officer know that you possibly have drugs on you just with your hands on the steering wheel, license registration, you open up. I mean, I guess if you have it like right there in your front seat or it falls out of your glove compartment. Yeah, I get that. But um, if you don't have it, like, showing, I don't see how they have probable cause to search. Uh, but it's it, it all goes back to the, um, you know, driving while black or, you know, driving, hmm. um, you know, being in a place where, you know, um, you're as a, a, a member of an ethnic category you're not expected to be you know because it's oh, yeah. not just and and when we talk about this it does fall disproportionately on on the on poor um minorities but but even being you know a rich famous athlete or entertainer doesn't isolate yourself from uh, racial profiling and you know how crazy was it we're not going to talk about politics but uh, you know Donald Trump, can, you know, in support of racial profile. I mean, yeah, we just live in the craziest of times. It's so, yeah. it's so, it's so disturbing. National stop and frisk. How about a national fucking off? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that's it's just bullshit. But like you said, we're not going to get into that. But uh, <laughs> at least not tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 
you know, and I'm usually pretty, I have never ingested any drug other than nicotine and alcohol. Um, and I mean, that's not to be like self-righteous. It's just trying to, you know, state a matter of fact. Um, I don't judge anybody who does uh, imbibe in other substances. And I mean, it really is none of the government's concern. Yeah. I mean, I can sit there and smoke like two cartons a day if I want. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, get cancer in a you know month or two and die, and government doesn't care. I can sit there and buy five fifths of whiskey and just chug them all in one night, get alcohol poisoning, and die. Nobody cares in, in the sense of government. I mean, I'm sure families and stuff like that. Um, one, you're not going to overdose on marijuana, so let's go. Let's kind of throw that one out the window. Um, you know, you do enough cocaine that your heart freaking raises mm-hmm. and explodes. You know. It, why does the government care then? Um, you do meth. Now, I'm not saying, you know, like, they have to be legal or anything, but, you know, if we're going down that road, you know, of, hey, you're you're cool to die <laughs> with whatever stuff you put in your, sub, uh, in your body, except these two things, or except everything else. These are the only two things you can, you know, put in your body. Or I could just sit there and eat food and not exercise and have a heart attack and die. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm a little bit more, uh, I guess liberal. I guess I, <laughs> in the in the sense of drug use, it's like I mean, I get meth is bad, um, mm-hmm. it, stuff like that. But I mean, alcohol is bad too. Alcohol is bad, and and you know, for a long time, I said this. I said, um, you know, we it's it's all cherry picking. And governments had not figured out how to um, how to tax the weed tax, and um, you know because they were they we do allow drugs, it, but it's um, only in um, a methodology that allows the government to keep its thumb in you know in that pie and regulate it and profit off of it, benefit from it in the terms of in terms of, you know, uh, although with corporate welfare, you know, um yeah. we could have a whole show about how the pharmaceutical industry basically screws over every single American, but um that's not that's not tonight. But um just to to you know, jump on your point there, you know, when when you're talking about um uh not so much uh, pharmaceutical companies. Um, oh, damn it! I, I lost the train of thought. Hold on. Let me let me kind of circle back here. Okay. Um, so, okay, let's let's circle back. We had pharmaceutical companies and governmental taxation. I mean, ah, that's... there it is. There it is. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, um So, okay, y- you want to say like, hey, this person's got cocaine, pot, meth. I, heroin, I guess. Um, hey, we're going to throw you in the slammer, which costs a lot of money just to do that. And we're going to levy fees and fines against you so we can get more money from that. Um, wouldn't it cost less money? Yes. <laughs> to treat them. Okay. And then that they, um, you know, battle their addictions. And then they go out and get jobs. And hey, you're taxing their income which you're going to get over the course of the rest of their life for the most part. Um, I mean, I would think the government would net more money that way 
then, I mean, when you throw someone in jail, they're not earning money. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to, when they get out, go, oh, hey, you owe us like $500,000. But they don't have, they can't get a job because they got a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, but I'm, I'm, I'm for more of the legalization of pretty much all the drugs. I mean, if we sit there and say, tell people with alcohol, hey, don't drink and drive. And please drink responsibly. That's on every mm-hmm. at print or, um, you know, video or radio. You know, please drink responsibly. There's everybody says, hey, if you have a problem, go. You know, here's resources to call. I mean, there, the same thing can be done with other drugs. I mean, if you just say, hey, use this in moderation, which alcohol is not bad if it's in moderation. I'm sure cocaine is not bad <laughs> if done in moderation. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure about meth. I mean, meth is a, is garbage. It is uh, <laughs> it's made from household chemicals. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if it was more Breaking Bad style, I'm sure it might be different. I don't know. <laughs> so. Um, Never saw that show, so I don't. I I can't it, speak to it. Huh? It's it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, it, it's on Netflix. Binge it over a week. You're, you'll 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 thank me. Um. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, and um, and I may take you up on that when when football season is over, and I'm jonesing for some Game of Thrones, or we're still waiting on it to come back around. But um, the thing about weed, too, to tie it back into our drug testing conversation, mm-hmm. is that you know there's um, some pretty good research out there that indicates that it, that it can help with. Um, CTE and cognitive issues, and it certainly does help with societal, with your know, social anxiety and and um, other things like that. And you see a lot of athletes now, and you know, especially in football, um, advocating for it. Eugene Monroe is is one of them, and you know, I really admired the the work that he's doing. And and how he's coming forward to talk about that because um, you know how many guys are going through suspensions for um, you know for weed for marijuana and I do have and here's the thing and I do have um, some concerns because you you know you want to be careful I think about these things and as it stands now. Um, it's if you're careful, you don't ever get in the program. But once you get in, it's okay. Do you, do you hear that? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do hear that. When you get into the program, especially especially once you get past stage one or two, it's almost it's very hard to get out of it. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm unfamiliar with uh, the NFL's. Uh, Substance abuse program. Basically, these guys know when they're going to be tested, um, uh-huh. and so if you quit smoking, and that's I think sometime in April, right before start of um, spring activities, um, off season training activities, OTAs, um, mm-hmm. and now, and, but that's for someone who's that's for an athlete, that's for a football player who's not in the program. Mm-hmm. And um, in stage one, you're 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 you know you still know pretty much mm-hmm. when you're going to be tested. Once you get to stage two, if I remember correctly, once you get to stage two and beyond, though, you're subject to randoms. 
Mm. And they can show up anytime, any place. And it's at that point that you're, you know, it's extremely hard to, you. I mean, you would have to quit. Yeah. And, you know, because you can get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, but that kind of raises, we're probably going to run out of time. That kind of, that sort of raises the, the issue for me. Um, anybody can have substance abuse issues even, I mean, you know, we know that with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so how do you balance that? And I think we're we're still trying to feel our way around that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Maybe it has to be, it's like a, you know, maybe we're still working on the testing to the point where we can get there. But it's, it's definitely a conversation that's um, ongoing and worth having and, and as, we, know, as we learn oh. more. Well, and just uh, when you were saying, like, how they, hey, you're going to be drug tested April 1st. Yeah, but let's just say that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for marijuana, they're going to have to stop smoking maybe a month before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if they're doing opioids, you know, they can they can be there almost, a, you know, maybe less than a week before their test. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that metabolizes and gets out of your system a lot quickly. It does, and they're masking agents, and that's why the 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 conversation is so different when it comes to um, to other things. In that you can, they're masking agents, and you can rid your body of you know other things through you know certain. That's why um, the diuretics are mm-hmm. on the ban list. Mm. Because it helps facilitate. It's a masking. It's viewed as a masking agent. But anyway, it's always interesting, Matt. It, we, the 30 minutes goes so fast. And Oh, definitely. Uh, but um, I'm glad that we touched upon this. I, I, I need to check and see. I don't, I don't know where, I don't remember where Nashville is, but I'm sure we're going to continue to have ongoing conversations about that. It'll be interesting to see what Nashville does end up doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, tell everybody out there where they can find you. Find me on Twitter at Woodstock, which is W-0-0-D-S-T-O-K. And find him Friday morning, um, in the morning, somewhere around 11-ish. We'll be playing this um, this podcast segment, and you'll get to to hear and weigh in on it. And um, so it's always great, Matt. Have a great evening. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Great stuff from Matt last night. It's always such a pleasure to sit down and, and chat with him, and he, I always learn something, and uh, it's um, it, it's a good time. We're going to continue to to do that segment um, throughout the probably you know for the for the um, immediate future anyway. The elections in November, roughly about you know a month away, and so. Um, definitely at least through then and, and probably beyond that, because I think it's important to, to talk about the, um, the larger issues in society, uh, stick to sports is we don't stick to sports here and, you know, we probably never will because I think 
that it's important to to have conversations about sports can be such a a, a great means of facilitating change, both good and bad, but largely good. I really do think that um, at least in in what we're seeing currently um, largely good in having these conversations is important. I also shout out to Tim, Tim Torch. I want to call him Porch. I don't know why. Tim Torch, uh, who joined me in our first segment, Fantasy Football. I might take Tim's advice and, and try DraftKings next week. I don't know how I missed that DraftKings was a little bit more PPR than uh than than you know standard kind of scoring and uh it, as Tim and I were talking I did realize that I guess I do trend toward a, a PPR type format. I, most of what I do, most of what I play in, the leagues I play in are in some form or fashion PPR leagues. So that makes sense. You kind of do what um, you know, you do your thing, do what you do what you do. So, um let Cam Newton live. Uh, you know, he's he's a grown man. Let him live and and, and prosper. Sad news about Chris Bosch failed his physical his career could be over. You know, it might be time for um for the big man to give some consideration to just going ahead and, and hanging up the cleats. It's always hard. And, um yeah, and tough news for him, and you know we um, extend our support to his, to him and his family during during this period. Again, shout out to Justin Twell who joined me on Wednesday. We'll be back next week. I'm going to sit down and chat with my girl Chels this weekend. So stay tuned for an announcement on that. Have a great day, and um, we'll be back soon. You've been listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. Follow me on Twitter at Sports by Sharona, and um, look out for our wrap-up. You'll find links to all the articles and Twitter handles of the great guests that we had this week. All right, have a great weekend.